Thanks so much, Joy. You guys can take a seat and relax. The band will be back a little bit later. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, I hope you've been, ha- we hope you've been having an incredible day. Um, I want to let you know as we start off tonight, um, I want to do something that we don't normally do. So if this is your first time here, uh, it's okay, we don't normally do this. Uh, but I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, and I, so I'm going to put some words up on the screen and my hope is that they make you a little bit uncomfortable um, as I'm doing it, as I'm talking about it. If I don't make you uncomfortable by the words that I throw up on the screen in a second, that's okay. Um, I just haven't done my job, but you can do it for me by maybe throwing out an adjective that you'd like to throw up there, um, although everyone will know that that's your adjective. So, um, you can do that at your own risk. Here we go. Um, what do you call a group of lying, cheating, greedy, lustful, porn-watching, racist, jealous, judgmental, angry, lonely people who eat too much, who drink too much, who spend too much, who stress too much, who smoke too much, who overthink too much, I think there was, uh, yeah, and medicate too much, but gather together because they believe that Jesus is the light of the world and they need a little bit more light in their lives. You call a group of people like this, the church. Uh, And if you're brand new here, my name's Chris, as um, Steph and Emma said, I'm one of the communicators here, and you're actually joining us Um, a little bit into a series that we've been doing called Upside Down. Um, And and throughout this series and throughout this conversation that we've really designed for you, we've been looking at a conversation that Jesus had on the side of a mountain um, over a number of days, and it was recorded by one of his uh, closest followers, a guy called Matthew. And uh, Matthew kind of put it together in his autobiography, and this um, four or five day sort of teaching that Jesus uh, given is kind of condensed into a couple of chapters. And we're really the big thrust of this teaching that Jesus was uh, doing over this kind of few days, it was really a new approach to living. He was taking things that the culture was doing and he was sw- uh, flipping it and twisting it upside down. And, uh, and if you want to listen to part one and two, you can jump onto our, you can get on the podcast app, you can jump onto SoundCloud and you can listen, you can type in Beyond Church and you can listen there. Um, but tonight as we kind of jump into part three, we're going to talk about this group of people. We're going to talk about the church. Uh, Because it always really interests me, um, and I kind of find it confusing, the way in which people talk about the church. I I hear people say things like, well, the church just needs to address. Well, the church just needs to fix. The church church really just needs to do something about that. Uh, One of my favorites, and and I I don't know whether it's because I'm a pastor or what, but a lot of people come up to me, and they'll come up to me specifically, and they'll say this. They'll say, Chris, the church needs to take a stand. The church needs to take a stand on this political issue, on this social issue. The church needs to do something about this. And usually, usually what they want is for the church to take their stand. Usually what they want is for the church to agree with them. And, and I think maybe one of the reasons, I'm not sure, I'm just guessing, I think maybe one of the reasons is because that they come to me is because they're slightly confused about this whole thing called the church. And they come to me and they think, hey, if I can get the pastor to take a stand, then all of a sudden the church will take a stand. And, and because of the pastor's taking a stand, the whole church will take a stand. And that's so confusing to me because I am not the church. And this building, and these beautiful buildings that we see all around, uh, all around the world with these stained glass windows, those buildings are not the church. The church is made up of a group of people. The church is, is made up of diverse people from different backgrounds, from different countries all across the world with different interests with different likes and dislikes, who earn different amounts of money for doing different jobs, who have a whole heap of different passions. And when we come together, we don't always agree on everything. And I think one of the reasons that people say things like this, they say, hey, the church needs to take a stand, is because maybe they believe that the church 
needs to agree on everything. That, hey, let's just throw these, all these people from diverse backgrounds in the same room and to kind of help us all get along, we should agree on everything. And people say things, and, I, and I've said it too, and maybe you've said it that along the lines of, well, the church is a family. And as a family, we should get along and we should agree on everything. If that's your family, like, let me know, because that's not mine. Like, in fact, some of you, right, some of you went to Mother's Day brunch today. Some of you went to Mother's Day lunch today. And the whole time you're sitting there and you're thinking, I hope he doesn't say, I hope she doesn't bring up, because if they do, we're going to have a conversation. And I'm not going to be able to hold my tongue because we don't agree on that and they're wrong and I'm right. Or maybe they, and they, they think the same thing and so you just kind of like, there are certain limits, that we, certain conversations that we cannot, that you, or that you refuse to talk about because you want to get along. And the truth is your family doesn't agree on everything and the same is true of the church. Followers of Jesus all across the world, we don't really agree on everything. In fact, in fact, we really only agree on two things. We really only agree on two things, and we're going to talk about one of those things tonight. The first thing that we agree on is that uh, God, through Jesus, entered history, that he lived, that he died, and that he was resurrected, and that through that, we can experience life in a brand new way, and we get to help others experience life in a brand new way. That's the first thing we all agree on. The second thing we all agree on is that when Jesus gave up his life, when Jesus died on the cross and that we celebrated a few weeks ago at Easter, that he extended something to us. And that if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the greatest things is that, that this thing that God, that through Jesus, extended to you, you get to extend to others. And you get to extend it to people who you interact with on a day-to-day basis. And the thing that Jesus extended that all followers of Jesus agree on is this thing. Grace. That when Jesus entered history, he extended this thing called grace and it's something we get to extend to others and if you've heard this word before but you're not really sure like what is it what is what is that thing about um, I've tried to define it as best I can for you so here's a working definition for us tonight it is the undeserved unearned unearnable favor Jesus came to offer the undeserved because we don't deserve it the unearned because we can't earn it unearnable because even if we tried to earn it we couldn't earn it gift or favor that Jesus came to offer. In fact, I would say that this thing called grace is what separates following Jesus from every other world religion, from every other kind of spirituality, from every other sort of self-help thinking that's so prevalent in our culture. Because if you look at all other world religions or, or, um, or the life force or spirituality or whatever it is, they all recognize the same thing that we as followers of Jesus recognize, that there is a gap that there is a gap relationally between us and God. And they might not call it God, and you might not call it God. You might call it the universe. You might call it a higher power. You might call it your true self. But there is a gap between who you are and and God or this relational or this life force that's flowing through. And in every other world religion, in every other spiritual practice, it is all really designed around how can you work your way back to a position where you earn favour with the universe, or with yourself, or with God. See, Christianity is different because it says that while there's a gap, that God entered into history to bridge the gap himself. And this is kind of conceptual, right? And I know it's kind of hard to understand grace sometimes. So I wanted to give you a really practical example from my life. Um, And if you've been here for a while, chances are you've heard this story before. Um, You can just pretend that this is the first time you're hearing it. If you're brand new, this is the first time you'll hear it. 
And in my life, uh, my wife is really, really good at extending grace, uh, mainly because she had to be marrying me, because I do some dumb stuff, like, all the time. And one of the, one of the dumbest things I've ever done is on our first wedding anniversary, we decided to take a cruise, right, because that's romantic. Um, we'll take a cruise, we'll go swimming in the Pacific, and uh, we, we, uh, the ship stopped at Lafou, and uh, there wasn't a port on this uh, island that we stopped at, and so we had to get some charters or some tenders across to the island, and we were getting ready for our day to go snorkeling. And we're in the room, and we're like sunscreening up, and like Emma looks at me, and she's like, babe, do you reckon you should leave your wedding ring here? And I'll just leave it in. It might fall off, like with all the sunscreen when we're out and about. Um, and this is when I really stepped up to the plate, and I showed um, Emma that, hey, I am husband of the year material. Because um, I looked at her, and I, I literally did this. It never comes off. Honestly, babe, it will never, ever, ever come off. It never does. It never will. There won't be a time in history where it does. And uh, you know where this is going, right? Because I caught the tender across, and probably within 30 seconds, and I say 30 seconds, that's probably a little generous. Um, it's probably more like 7.5. Um, we're snorkeling, and I look at my hand. It kind of comes across my face, and I see the ring is gone. And in that moment, like, I'm furious. Like, I'm mad. I swim back to shore. I'm sitting on the, the side of the, like, uh, sitting on the sand. I'm in this, like, massive huff. Uh, and the reason, like, part of it, I was annoyed because, like, Emma had already told me that, hey, you, you really shouldn't do it. And I was like, dang it. And now I lost it. And, and another part of the reason that I was, like, so in a huff is because I, I thought I knew what was coming, right? Because I knew how I would have reacted if I'd given someone that advice and they hadn't listened and then they'd lost their wedding ring. Like, I just knew how I would respond. And I'm sitting there in this huff and Emma just comes up and sits alongside me and puts her arm around me and she goes, it's all right. And in that moment, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, you should be way more angrier about this. Okay, I am angrier than you about this. And she's like, no, it's, it's fine. Like, it, honestly, it's, it's really fine. I don't want you to try and make it up to me. I don't want you to try um, and like feel like that you've got to um, earn like, or do something to kind of make us good again. Like We're good. And maybe you've experienced that in your relationships, where, where there was something that you did or a decision you made that created a relational gap. And you started to think through in your mind all the things that you had to do to kind of make it even again. And the way that you figured out all the things that you had to do to make it even is to think, if someone else had done that to you, what would you want them to do? But then this person out of nowhere just turns around and goes, hey, no, no, we're good. We're good. Hey, no, no, we're still friends. No, we can move past this. It's, it's not a big deal. And, and it kind of blew you away because in your mind, you felt like you needed to earn your way back. You felt like there were things that you needed to do to, so that you would deserve the relationship. But in that moment, that person goes, well, it's actually not up to you because the gap was there and you created the gap. And if I want to fill it with grace, well, I get to. And if I fill it with grace, then there's nothing you can do to earn your way back because the truth is, the truth is this, is that grace can only be experienced through relationships. This thing, grace, it's not something you can put in a test tube. It's not something you can measure. It's not something you can like kind of store up in the bank. It can actually only be experienced in the context of relationships. And that's why it's so powerful. That's why when God stepped into history, God extended grace because God is a God who is focused on relationships and wants to connect with us relationally. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, God's amazing grace to you 
is actually an invitation for you to be amazing. I know that's cheesy, that's such a preacher thing, right? Like, oh, he's got to weave amazing in there, amazing grace, right? But it's true, right? God's amazing grace to you. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, the thing that probably drew you to God the most was that he wanted to extend grace to you when you didn't deserve it. And you were like, how incredible is that, that God would go on a search for me and extend grace to me? And God's amazing grace to you is actually an invitation for you to be amazing. Because it's an invitation for you to extend grace to others. To extend this thing that God gave to you to other people in, the, uh, in your life around you. Now, I, I need, before we move on, I do need to under, uh, address that if you're not a follower of Jesus, I get that you're probably pushing back against this. I get that maybe some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, well, Chris, um, God's grace might be amazing, but the grace I've experienced through Christians is anything but amazing. Like, it is, it is not amazing at all. The interactions I've had with followers of Jesus, the interactions that I've had with church people, it wasn't amazing, and it certainly wasn't graceful at all. And, and I really wish I could go back and change that experience for you, but I can't. No one can go back and change that experience for you. Here's, here's what I hope, though, as we kind of continue this conversation. Here's what I hope, is that you wouldn't let one bad experience ruin your chance of experiencing grace. That you wouldn't let the missteps of a follower of Jesus stand in the way of experiencing the grace that Jesus has for you. And if, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think it's fun. We kind of did this last week with grace a little bit when Josh was up here and he was talking about it, but um, I just want you to think in your head, right? If you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, if you had to rate yourself on how well you extend grace to others on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself? Like, how would you go? Because in my mind, um, I always rate myself around people that it's really easy to extend grace to. I always benchmark myself about, uh, against the people that it's, it's easy for me to, to love them. It's easy for me to kind of, because they don't really need my grace most of the time, those people, because we're good 99% of the time. But, but when I start to think about people who have hurt me, or maybe a group of people who don't share the same worldview as me, all of a sudden it becomes really, really difficult for me to extend grace to them. And maybe for you, that's the same way. Maybe there's a particular person that did something to you or said something to you or, or uh, left that relationship. Or maybe, you know, particularly with election time coming up, maybe there is a group of people that you look at and you hear them talking, you're kind of like, it is really, mm, it is difficult for me to extend grace to you. And then you do start to do this thing that we all do when it's difficult to extend grace. Is we start to make up reasons why we shouldn't have to extend grace to them. And we make up reasons why, well, that group of people and that person, and they don't really deserve grace. And here's why they don't deserve grace. And so we kind of justify kind of keeping grace to ourselves. And what's so fascinating about Jesus is in this conversation that Jesus had with Matthew, Jesus asked a question. And in this question, Jesus highlights for us why it is often so difficult for us to extend grace to certain people and certain groups of people. And I'm going to show you the question. But before I do, I just need you to know, this question sucks. Like, it's not a fun question to ask. And when you see it up there, I want you to know it's Jesus asking the question, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. If it was up to me, I wouldn't ask this question of you because I wouldn't want you to ask this question of me. But this is the question that Jesus asked. And he says this. 
He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a plank in your own? What? Why is it that you get so focused and you get so wrapped up on what he did to you or she said to you or what they posted on social media or the worldview of that group of people and what they're doing to us? Why do you get so caught up on them when you have a plank in your own eye? And I could imagine if you're anything like me, if you were sitting on the mountainside that day and Jesus is teaching you, you, we, like, I'd probably be like jamming out and be like, this is Jesus, like, this is incredible, like, this, is so, this is so helpful. And then he would ask this question, and I'd be like, whoa, 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 Jesus. I was loving everything up until this point, but can we just clarify a few things? Because I think there's two answers that I would probably give to Jesus. There was two, there's two ways I would answer this question. The first way I would answer this question is simply this. That's not a speck in their eye. <laughs> Jesus, you don't know them. Like, mum walked out on us. Dad, dad cheated on mum. Like, dad ran away. That's, that's not a speck in their eye. And maybe it wasn't your mum or your dad for you, but maybe that person or that group of people that comes to mind, you look at them and you go, Jesus, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know what you would label it, but it's, it's most certainly not a speck. It is something far, far greater than that. And maybe the other way you would answer it is the way that, the other way I would answer is this is, I don't have a plank in my eye. Like, are you you kidding me, Jesus? Like, like I see the world as it really is. When when I look at the other world, the world, there are really, there are really two people. There are people who, like, look at the world through rose-colored glasses, and then there's me, right, Jesus? And, and my successes, and my failures, and my IQ, and my EQ, and where I was born, and the socio, uh, the, the, the job that I have, and uh, how much money I make, None of that plays into how I view the world, okay? I just view the world objectively as it really is. So really, what you're about to go on and say, like, I get it's a challenging question, but it doesn't really apply to me because I don't have a plank in my eye. And to that, Jesus would say, well, I'm not done talking yet. And maybe it does apply to you. And this is what Jesus says next. He says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? And I know this word is probably where you're getting stuck. You're like, well, that's probably not applying to me because they're not my friend. But you can substitute here. How can you think of saying to your coworker, to your boss, to your auntie, to your uncle, to that person who cut you off in traffic, to that one person that always goes to the self-serve checkout when you are in a rush and does not know how to operate it and then backs the entire thing up. How can you think of saying to them, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? when you can't see past the plank in your own, when, when you haven't even dealt with your own issues yet, how can you think of saying to someone else, here, here's how you should really view the world. By the way, I haven't, I haven't worked through my own stuff yet, but let me give you a little bit of advice. And what's so interesting is that what Jesus says next, Jesus has a word for people who do this. But I want you to know, before I show you the word that Jesus uses, uh, Jesus is talking to followers of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, Jesus doesn't call you this, okay? If you're not a follower of Jesus, Jesus loves you, but he doesn't call you this because he doesn't call you to follow, like, you're not following him, so he doesn't hold you to that standard. But Jesus says, if you're a follower of his and you can't see past the plank in your own eye, this is what you are, you're a hypocrite. Matthew even put the exclamation in there, right? Because he needs you to understand. You're a hypocrite. And then he goes on, he says this, (coughs) whoops, sorry, we'll back it up. Um, And the reason that he uses this word the reason that he uses this word is not to make you feel bad. Right? It's not to make me feel bad. It's not so that we leave this place with our heads down and we think, oh man, I've, 
I've just got to try harder. It's to get us to understand that, hey, grace is actually really uncomfortable. When you have to look someone or a person that doesn't agree with you and you feel like that they've done something to you and, and they don't deserve it, it is really difficult to open your hands and extend grace. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I know that more than anyone else. Like Jesus was mocked because he had to extend grace. Jesus was beaten in the process of extending grace. Ultimately, in the process of extending grace, Jesus would give up his life. And so he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be someone who extends grace in the relationships that you're in, here's how you do it. He says, first, first, not second, not third, not when it feels nice. First of all, if you want to do it, first get rid of the plank in your own eye. Stop focusing on everyone else's issues. We'll worry, don't, you don't need to worry about them, but get rid of the plank in your own eye. And then, only then, will you see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Until you begin to deal with your plank, what business do you have? What help are you to someone else? Why would you want to hold grace in when you haven't dealt with your own planks first? And really, I think the reason that Jesus says this is simple. It's because planks get in the way of grace. The planks that we walk around with in our lives are ultimately the things that prevent people from getting to know Jesus. Because Jesus is irresistible. Grace is irresistible. It's all the planks that followers of Jesus carry around that make Jesus resistible. And planks get in the way of grace. The reason I think also that Jesus is saying this is because followers of Jesus, or if you want to substitute there, the church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. The thing that draws people in is not the fact that we're right. It's the fact that we have grace to offer. It's the fact that we can point people to a God who loves them and a God who died for them. And people are drawn to people like that. And followers of Jesus are most appealing when they deal with the planks in their own eyes and grace is most apparent. And so, I want to give you a little bit of homework. Because it's one thing to really kind of be like, oh yeah, that's cool. I'm glad he didn't challenge me because I could see that kind of getting a little bit uncomfortable. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. I don't want you to know that, oh, hey, the church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. Cool. I want you to do something about it. And so this week, our Form Monday, which is kind of like the application of everything we've been talking about, is simply this. I want you to ask, what planks are you carrying around? Now, if you're married... Not what planks is your husband or your wife carrying around, okay? That's like, we all like to do that, right? Well, you've got it. no, no, no. What planks are you carrying around? Not what your boyfriend or your girlfriend is carrying around, not what your mom um, or your dad or your brother or your sister or your auntie. Or, what planks are you carrying around? What are the things at home? What are the things at work? What are the things in your friendships? What are the things at school that you carry around with you? that get in the way of extending grace, that cause you to point the finger, that cause you to judge, that cause you to label, and that ultimately cause you to not extend grace. What, what, are, those, what are those things? What, what are they? Take some, time to, well, take some time to think through them this week. And, and I know that like, as you see that, some of you will probably be tempted, right? 
Some of you will probably be tempted to just walk out of here and be like, yeah, well, that was nice, but I don't really know if I want to. I don't, what, what, what will happen, Chris, if I start looking at my planks and no one else addresses their specs? What will, what will happen if I start to look at my stuff? Will I lose something? Will it be uncomfortable for me? What if I get vulnerable and I start to work through my stuff? And, and what if no one else does that? And here's, here's the thing, right? Let's, let's be 100% honest. I don't follow you around all week checking if you do the four Mondays, right? I'm not checking your Instagram feed, seeing if you're doing it, right? I've got better things to do, okay? I can't force you to do this. But what I can tell you, and what I can share with you is, is how looking at this and how asking this question has changed things for me, has changed the way that I follow Jesus. And when, when I began to ask this question, and as I began to think through this, here's what I discovered. The more aware I am of what God is yet to do in me, the less aware I am of what he is yet to do in you. The more aware I am and the more time I take to, to look at the planks that I have in my life, and I've got plenty of planks. There are so many things that, that when I look at my life, I'm like, man, I, I really need to address that because it gets in the way of people knowing Jesus. But the funny thing is, is the more aware I am of my planks, the more, the more I say to God, God, I am in need of your grace. And I need your grace just as much today as I did yesterday, as I did the day before, as I did five years ago. I never graduate from grace. When I start to do that, all of a sudden, I become less aware of the things God is yet to do in your life. I become less aware of the specs that I see in your life. Because I look at my own life and I think, I need God's grace just as much as everyone else. And that's the truth. We all need God's grace. There never comes a point where we don't. And if you're struggling with this, it might challenge you to know that God's brokenheartedness over our sin didn't cause him to point out our specs. God's brokenheartedness over our relational disconnection from him didn't cause him to point at us and label us. It caused him to draw near. God wasn't repulsed, but God actually entered history. And when he did that, he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And he extended grace to repair that relationship. And now as a result of that, we get to extend that same thing to other people in our lives as well. And this week, this week, if you want to experience God in a brand new way, if you want to turn your relationship with God upside down and look at a new approach to living, then extend the very grace that God extended to you. Because when you do that, you are being more like your heavenly Father than you are at any other point. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that when we didn't deserve it and when we couldn't earn it, that you stepped in and that you made a way. Lord, we thank you that that, that relational disconnect didn't push you away, but it drew you near. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are followers of Jesus this week that, that we would never lose sight of the grace that you've given us. 
that we would never feel like we've graduated, but that we would take some time to examine and to think about, hey, what are the planks in our eyes? What are the planks in my life? What are the things that I carry around that prevent me from extending grace? And Lord, that we would begin to deal with them. And the reason that we would begin to deal with them as uncomfortable as it may be, is so that others could experience the grace that you entered the history of. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.